This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. I'm Daniel Davis. I played Professor James Moriarty on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today are the wonderful Richard and fabulous Justin. Excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. So, Richard, how's it going today? Uh, busy. <laughs> uh, I just formatted my computer, so everything is fast and resetted. So, <laughs> hopefully we shouldn't have any technical difficulties. <laughs> yes, like uh, last time. So, uh, Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, interesting to record on a Tuesday night instead of on a Sunday afternoon, but great to be here. Talk more TNG. Yes. <laughs> well, we have some fan response to our um, Elizabeth Dennehy interview that uh, we just had. And so, Justin, why don't you start us off? Uh, Wes Huntington says, wow, I was just listening to it. The reaction Richard gave to finding out that Elizabeth Dennehy actually auditioned for the role of Janeway is great. I love the story she shared of the Blunt Talk premiere with Seth MacFarlane. I hope she'll watch the Orville and Discovery now that she's an empty nester. First time listener to Earl Grey today. Well, welcome, welcome. Wes. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate your, your comments and that you enjoyed the interview and that uh, it was your first time listening to Earl Grey. Good episode to start. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, Christopher Baca said, uh, such a great interview. Interesting to hear how they... They had to act in one part to keep doors open for the writers of part two, since no one knew how how it was going to end. Also, didn't know she tried out for Voyager. You know, honestly, I didn't even know that either until obviously the interview, um, which was which is awesome. But yeah, it would I I I think she would have been awesome as Janeway, to be quite honest, or at least something like that. And and I didn't know that either. I knew that there was you know. A lot of people that they had auditioned, but I had no idea she was one of them. Great to find out. Yeah. And I really liked finding or, or, you know, learning that you had to act in a way that could leave things open. So it's like you didn't know the end of the story. I think that would be uh, an additional challenge in addition to just acting in and of itself. Yeah, I think that would be very challenging to leave things open. And it's quite different from how they're doing Discovery, where they know where things are going to go during the course of the season. So it's not the same kind of open-ended thing. Right. Tim Han says, Wonderful interview with Elizabeth Dennehy, Amy, Justin, and Richard. Really loved her answers to not only my question, but the entire interview as a whole. To be honest, I never realized until listening to the podcast episode, she was the daughter of Hollywood great Brian Dennehy. That was like the first thing when you said that we got this interview with Elizabeth Dennehy. I was like, oh my gosh, it's Brian Dennehy's daughter. I was so, <laughs> that came first and then, oh, it's Shelby from TNG, you know? All right. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I was aware of that before, but yeah, great to have that connection and all the stories that she had about him. Kay Frick says, my first time listening to Earl Grey and I really enjoyed it. Somebody needs to write an alternate universe novel with Shelby as the captain of Voyager. I'd read that. So welcome, Kay, another first time listener to Earl Grey. This is so exciting to get new listeners. <laughs> it is. And we and we got uh, a good number for this Elizabeth Dennehy interview. 
And yeah, I'd love to read that novel with Shelby as the captain of Voyager. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> uh, Corey Elrod, uh, awesome interview. Shelby would have been a great character to revisit. I could definitely see her commanding a ship uh, during the Dominion War. Seth MacFarlane really uh, needs to get her on the Orville. I totally agree with that. I had no idea she had uh, she was behind the scenes on the middle. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, yeah, he, he totally should uh, draft her into into one of his stories because I think that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, and he's you know such a big TNG fan that it would just be a perfect fit. Yeah, and Corey and I we had a fun exchange because I really enjoyed the middle too, and I like the middle a lot as well. So yeah, yeah, it was nice to find out that she does some work on the show behind the scenes. Never yeah. seen it. It's, a, it's good show. a cute little show. Yeah. Uh, okay. Brian Irwin says, I'm new to the network and really enjoyed your interview. I was surprised that I could learn so much from an actor that played such a small yet significant role in TNG. Hearing her perspective on how the role still has an impact on her life after all these years was wonderful. Her potentially the lead in Voyager really threw me for a loop. The parallels between Shelby and Janeway are unmistakable. I could totally see her in that role. Also, her story about introducing herself to Seth MacFarlane was hilarious. Again, great interview, and I look forward to next week's episode. Well, here we are next week. Where are all these new people? Where are all these people? <laughs> it's great. It's so awesome. It, no, it is great. I'm just saying, it's like it's like all these new people all of a sudden. It's like it's it's like a fresh batch of new fans. Yes, it is. Welcome, welcome. Well, for this week's episode, we are continuing our uh, series on character moments. And so we are now to season three. And so each of us have um, picked three character moments from season three. We haven't shared them with each other, so we don't know what we're, what's going to come up. So I'm very excited, and Richard, you are going to go first. Moi? <laughs> Since I'm the host, yes. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. All right. So um, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, uh, Amy, and I'm just going to take it out right now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Tin Man. Oh, how could I have guessed? <laughs> Troy. <laughs> is the person I'm, I'm thinking of um we've i mean granted like uh if you guys have listened to it on the show on the earlier episodes this is my first uh episode that i ever watched as a kid um but uh this episode i think is a great episode that we fe- we've actually find out what what troy's past is uh really i mean i mean obviously we see um tam tam Tam, but yeah, he has a last name, but anyway. Uh, okay, yeah. Tam. Tam. Okay, patient Tam. Tam Elbrun. 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 There you go. <laughs> so Tam Elbrun, we get um, and we and we find and we get him on the Enterprise, and we get to see see and hear about Troy's past before. I'm assuming before the um before Starfleet. I obviously it's not entirely clear um in this episode, but like it, it's we definitely get to see some kind of past of hers instead of like, you know, with her mom or, 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 any, or with Riker or with anyone else. This is actual, a professional part of her uh, a career. And I actually quite like this, uh, that, uh, that we actually get to see this side of her. So. Hmm. Oh, that's such a good pick. I know, but I, I had a feeling you were going to pick that. I was like, <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Let's just get that out of weight. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I saw Tin Man and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave that for Richard because I have a feeling there's a moment in there that Richard's going to talk about. Good idea. Uh, moments. Yeah. No, it's great to find out more about her past. And well, this is the second week in a row I'll give a plug to the novel uh, Battle of Beta Z because you actually in that novel get to see Troy kind of during her training uh, to to become a counselor. But but yeah, like the, the bits that we get in here are really great because you really don't get much else um, on screen for that. Yeah. And like you said, it's her professional past. It's not her past with Riker and it's not her family, you know, because we see Luoxana. So you're right. This is truly Troy's past, hers. And yeah, that's really good. I like it. Yeah, and it definitely, and, and you know, for sure, we get to we get to see that professional side. I really that's I that's why I absolutely love it. So yeah, yeah, yeah great pick. Awesome. 
Thanks. All right, Justin, can you beat that one? Well, I don't, it's not a competition for who has the better picks. Boy. Well, hold on a second. Let me bring out the A squad. Don't it? <laughs> but at least it's not the same as Richard's, so I don't get Okay, out. good. So it's different. Okay. All right. So my choice is from the episode Evolution, the one with the nanites. It's one of my favorite uh, episodes in, in this season. And, you know, it. it's as much about you know, kind of the progression that happens with, with the nanites. So, you know, they're, they kind of run loose and they evolve and they're this big threat to the ship. Right. Um, and then the scientist who, who is there, Dr. Stubbs is really annoyed by them because they're interfering with his experiment. He kills some of them. They have some retribution and all of that. But the moment that I really love for the character of the nanites is toward the end of the episode when data is able to reach out to them communicate with them and and he agrees to kind of take them in so they can kind of see the world as the crew sees it and they can kind of come to an understanding and even forgive dr Stubbs, and then after that they can found their own civilization i mean i think like just within the episode the arc of, of the nanites going from like this these annoying beings that you want to sterilize and get rid of to ones where you can come to an understanding for their point of view through data at the end, and then they can found their civilization is is amazing. And I just love that moment when that understanding happens because I love when conflicts like that are resolved through understanding and in a nonviolent way. So that's that's my moment. Yeah, that is good to see. Yeah, you're, the arc of the nanites that is a really good character. Not a main character, but I like it. It's good actually job. many characters, really, because <laughs> right? there's a bunch yeah. of nanites. But, but yeah, it's also a Wesley's story. Yeah, I know it's all Wesley's fault. But I mean, it is but, all see, Wesley's fault, really. Like, keep, I, it keep, I keep reiterating this: children should not be on starships. <laughs> oh goodness! Fine, we we know how you feel. Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, I have a character moment, um, and it comes from Picard, and it's from Who Watches the Watchers, and it is just, I almost live this scene every day in my life, so I just had to highlight it, and it is the scene where uh, Picard uh, is explaining uh, to, I, I'm sorry, I forget her name, he brought her up to the N- ship. Noria. Yeah, Noria. And he's explaining, well, what if, you know, people in your past, the people who lived in caves saw that you were living in huts and wouldn't they think, and you use an arrow, would that be considered magic? Because they don't know. And she, and he comes to this realization and helps her see that, oh yeah, they would seem to possess this magic, but it's just that they understand more. And you're like, oh, she understands. Here Picard is, he's got this you know, new knowledge and technology that they don't possess. And so that's why they call him the Picard. And so you're like, okay, it's finally getting through. And then she asks, well, can you bring the dead back? And his character, like total Picard facepalm. And it's not just a one. (laughs) He's walking the conference room with his hand on his head and is like, I did not get through to this person and it's i live that especially (laughs) right now in my math classroom these kids and i'm like okay i think they get it i think they get it and then when they go to their homework and i see the mistakes they're making and i'm just going to give one math example i'm teaching rational functions and they have x plus one divided by x and they want to cancel the X's. <laughs> and I'm like, no. No, you that can't is do that. Not. I know. <laughs> oh, and I was like so sure that they got it. And then when they get to their homework, it's all wrong. And so I really relate to Picard trying to explain and doing a well job explaining it. And then it's still not getting through. That's my first pick. It's it's a good moment in a really great episode. And I don't know if we reminded people what it's about with the the kind of Vulcanoid civilization that's been uh, under observation by Starfleet, but something goes wrong with the outpost and they get exposed and 
they have to kind of navigate through that. But it's a really good moment. But what's interesting about it also is that he's gotten through in a certain way mm-hmm. that there can be evolution of cultures and that his might be a future evolution that their civilization would get to. Right. But also, like when she says, well, can you bring back the dead? I mean, actually, the answer is sometimes, <laughs> like if they haven't been dead very long, right? Yes, <laughs> but mostly he's like, dead. But, yeah, but but she's like, can you bring back the people that died last year? And he's like, oh, you're not getting it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but the funny thing is they can actually bring people back from the dead if it's only been like a few minutes or something like that, right? Yeah. But but no, it's it, it's a really great moment. And I love that he takes the risk to bring her up to the ship. He's like, well, we've gone this far. I'm going to try to to do what I can to, to make this person understand. So, yeah. Yeah, just that character of explaining and then thinking they have it and then they don't. It's just his, but his hand on his face when he's walking, it's just. Do you do a face palm like that all. in your math class? No, that would be too <laughs> offensive to my little darling children. I'm glad you don't do that. That's good then. <laughs> All right, Richard, give us your pick number two. Pick number two, yes. Um, so I chose Hollow Pursuits uh, because it's Barkley, <laughs> for one. And, you know, mostly because we, we um, I mean, we understand the fears of being on a starship. And this is, you know, obviously, you know... Uh, Obviously, all those troubles that happen on the ground uh, obviously happen in in space as well. So, like, yeah, this is the one where um, the leaking container, where um, oh yeah, okay. and like the anti grab unit thing is not working properly or something like that, and 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 whatnot. So, um, yeah. So basically, uh, just I I love that how how he's handling some of the things that he's been he's dealing with, like because obviously people are making fun of him, calling him broccoli and and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Even Captain Picard. Oh Even my gosh! I by know. accident, <laughs> but like you know, it, it 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 it's it's those moments where you know, you you might have someone that's not doing a great job, but at the same time, he has something to contribute. And I really, hate, I really hate Wesley in this because <laughs> he's you know Mister Smarty Pants and stuff like that, and uh, tr- trying to. Um, or probably not do uh, not trying to, but uh, basically, uh, it's not all Wesley's fault. Jordy's a jerk too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a kid, so. Pfft. Oh, you have something against kids? All right. <laughs> no. Yeah, because I have a seven-year-old. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's. It's. Just, I think it's a great. I think it's a great moment. Uh, and also how he handles stress in a very interesting way, especially on a holodeck. So hmm. I could see that happening. Uh, if we had something like that, well, VR. I mean, sooner or later. I mean, right. that'll that'll be a reality. So. see what you did there (laughs) yeah i'm surprised that everybody in on a starship isn't like in the holodeck and all their free time you know you would think (laughs) that everyone have a vr set in their quarters and you know would want to visit i mean because i I can't imagine being uh, on a starship that long or for however long they're doing it work and then go to 10 forward or i'm sure that i'm sure there's not there's not a lot of uh, holodeck time, or at least there, there's limited holodeck time where everyone can't, you know, uh, use it all at once, obviously. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I'd like to make a reference of Deep Space Nine. Don't they have to rent the little hollow? At Quarks, deck? yeah. They at have Quarks, to, yes. okay. to rent the time at Quarks. Yeah. That's Good one, I Amy. know, my DS9. Privatization. <laughs> but yeah, they rent the hollow suites there. Yeah. All right. All right, Justin, give us your second pick. All right, so for my second pick, it's also going to come from Who Watches the Watchers like your pick, Amy, but a different scene. Okay. Uh, <laughs> toward, toward the end. Oh, okay, good. So you would mentioned he brings Nuria, who's this you know leader of this Vulcanoid, I guess, town <laughs> on, uh, on, on the planet up to the, the Enterprise. And I mean, she has a certain kind of of um of understanding and and then you know she comes back down but at the point that um Lico who's who's one of the the guys that is really unhappy that Picard can't bring people back to life okay so Lico is is with Picard and 
he's you know basically saying like why can't you bring my wife back to me who's who's dead and and Picard saying I can't do it um and it gets to this point where Picard says well if you believe that I'm all powerful then you know shoot me because the only proof that I am mortal will be my death right mm-hmm. you know f- I, I like this for one reason because Picard is willing to take that risk for the understanding and trying to correct the the issues that have happened of his own life, right? Mm. And at at the same time, uh, Liko's daughter, you know, Oji, who we've seen, you know, during the episode, and she, you know, kind of has believed that Picard is is this great god. Actually, kind of knocks him and uh, a little bit and prevents him from killing Picard. I mean, he gets shot in the shoulder, but but I I love. You know, first that Picard is willing to kind of put his life on the line for his principles to try to correct this situation and prove to them that they don't have to be see them as gods when they're not really gods. But but also that you know this this young woman is, understands enough that even if she thought of him as a god before, it's like it's not right to to do this to try to kill someone. I don't know. It's a very dramatic scene, but I I like kind of the 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 resolution of that and what it what it shows of some of the characters in the scene. Yeah, Picard really shows his character in this moment that yeah, he is like you said willing to put his life in danger to basically restore this culture back and, you know, take away the idea of the Picard and to help them understand what really mortality and just an advanced culture looks like compared to where you are now. Mm-hmm. And and this time it actually made me think of Darmok because mm. that's a, a different situation where Picard is with the Temerian captain and that captain is willing to put his life on the line in order for the understanding to come between him and Picard and between those two cultures. So I thought it was it was interesting to to think about that that parallel and that maybe Picard could better understand what is happening in Darmok with this sacrifice that the Temerian captain's willing to do because of his own experience and who watches the watchers. And I had never made that connection before. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. His eyes uncovered. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh, that's great. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm here all you. night. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you have, you have to speak in Tamarian for the rest of the, the uh, podcast. Oh, man. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that one's going to be hard to follow up because my second one is a little bit more lighthearted. I guess I was uh, in a good mood when I was looking over these, and I picked all very light and... That was very good. Aren't you always in a good mood when it comes to like TNG? Oh, I am. Yes. (laughs) So my second pick also is from Who Watches the Watchers, but it comes from the beginning and they decide to go down after the uh, duck blind is, is, uh, you know, uncovered and Riker and Troy go down and they're in their costumes and, or, or whatever. Yeah. And, um, so Riker starts leading the way and just Troy, uh, no, 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 no. You need to get behind me because it's customary for the men to walk behind the women. Well, why is that? Well, in case, you know, anyone needs your services that they are going to approach me about your services and the whole idea of it, it just is so great just to switch that those you know male female roles that we're so used to but the character moment is the way that she says it is so just sort of in your face with love but haha it's I love the way that uh, Marina delivers the, those lines there well they've known each other for a long time and exactly and, you know she can have that familiarity to to uh to, to say it that way to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're not commander. You are behind me. And if anyone wants to talk to you, they will talk to me first. Yeah. And he makes a comment about the services that could be provided. Yeah. Mm. All kinds. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's great to see them 
them together in, in, in that scene. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Just their back and forth that they have is so good. And I guess this is one of two times when we see uh, Troy with pointed ears then. That's right. <laughs> one of two. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Face of the enemy is the other one. But mm-hmm. but that's always fun too when they they do these missions and they're, uh, they change their appearance to, to fit the, the people, local people that are there. Yeah. All righty. Well, we are to our pick threes. So, Richard, give us your third and final pick. Man, we're going through these fast. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I chose Ensigns of Command. And, of course, obviously this is more of a data story. Um, But, like, when it's like in in the third act, and uh, when he's confronting everyone... That hey this this is this is what you're this is what's gonna happen if if you don't leave, and obviously they don't have the weapons like the Shelleyak has any vapor or vaporize or explodes. I mean I don't know if water explodes like that, but I guess not. But yeah, I, anyway, I think, I think he ends up um, like using his phaser to destroy like the outside of whatever like irrigation or aqueduct they have. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm just saying, like, there's no probably no explosives in there, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> it <laughs> but blows like, up uh, anyway. Yeah, exactly, and, and it gives it gives the point straight. Uh, st- uh, he gets straight to the point. I'm like, this is what's going to happen. Now try like a couple hundred thousand from orbit. <laughs> you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to uh, withstand that kind of attack. And it's just you know, out of all this, I mean, you can see I mean, throughout the whole entire episode, you see the frustration that Data's going through trying to go through these protocols that I'm sure he's going through. And then he has to actually choose some kind of violence in order to get his point across. Like, Hey, you need to go (laughs) sort of thing. And that's what I love about this. And I think that something like this for him, you know, it, it, it tells him that there has to be a limit to where, where, um, what he needs to do in order to uh, make his mission work. And, um, Riker, you know, saying, you know, use that Android brain of yours, you know, <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can only go so far when you have programming that only limits you to, you know, not be violent, but if you have to be, but I mean, in this case he had to, so he did the job. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is powerful. And I think he says at one point, like, you know, they can kill you from orbit before you even see them. So, you know, if you're thinking about some, you know, making some great stand, you're never even going to see your enemy. They're like, right. Oh, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Yeah. You get vaporized. Yeah. And how data has to, you know, make that transition between, you know, being book smart, going through the Academy and this is the example, and this is the scenario, you know, and just reading it through the books, but then actually applying it and getting that experience, experiential knowledge you know, and how that is so different. And you may say, well, if I do A, then B is the outcome. That's not always the case when you're dealing with civilizations and people who, you know, love their land and where they are. And so he has to make that switch of going from, well, the academy taught me this. Well, what am I going to do to, you know, really make these people understand? Good pick. Yeah, great pick. Okay, Justin... Give us your third and final pick. All right. So my third pick comes from uh, one of my favorite episodes, Sarek. I mean, of course, I, I love Sarek as a character everywhere we see him in the original series, the animated series, the, movie, the TOS movies, and in The Next Generation. I think it's wonderful that he's in The Next Generation. You know, and in, in this episode, uh, he's having these, these issues with, um, you know, his mental control and toward the end of the episode, he does a mind meld with Picard so he can, I guess, temporarily offload all of this stuff that's troubling him so he can complete a negotiation. And the, the character moment that I've chosen, I mean, it's, it's basically when uh, you see Picard sitting there, Beverly Crusher is across from him kind of monitoring what's going on. And Picard, you know, through... I guess the personality that he has of Sarek and and his memories is 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 struggling so much. Uh, I mean, he's he's talking about how wrong things are and that you know a lifetime of discipline's been washed away and and that everything's bedlam. He's so old. I mean, I hate this. I hate when my logic betrays me. And there's all of this 
this stuff in there. I mean, it's a very powerful scene to see, um, you know, Patrick Stewart perform, but he's doing it as Picard kind of channeling Sarek. And so it's, it's a great character moment actually for, for both of them. First of all, for Picard to kind of take on this difficult challenge and deal with it the best he can. And also for Sarek, because, you know, like I think before discovery, you don't actually see Sarek that much really. I mean, it's just like one episode in the original series, one in the animated series, you know, bits in a couple of the movies and then into the next generation. But in this, this sequence, you find out, you know, all of these regrets that he's had, all of these difficulties, all of these things that he's had to suppress and that have been underneath for like, you know, 200 years of life. So I feel like in a way we get this window into his experiences and what kind of makes him the person that he is and what he has to deal with to have the kind of discipline that he does that I feel like it adds a lot to to what we know about about Sarek as a character and it makes me think about it differently in all the other appearances that we see see him in. And also from this point forward, I tend to look at a lot of Picard's behavior um, in in the light of what he's experienced with this. Like he's actually gotten some of, uh, you know, that more of that Vulcan kind of discipline and, and logic when he makes certain decisions after this point in season three. So I think it's it's just an incredible scene that adds so much just to both characters. Absolutely, it does. Um, and, you know, bringing up Sarek just and talking about it with so much with Discovery, you know, and seeing where he was in his younger life to where we see him now in his older life is really adds to it. And I think definitely this episode adds to the character that we know that we see in discovery. Like you said, the regrets that he has. Yeah, I agree. And I'm so glad that they, they had the character of Sarek on TNG because Mark Leonard is, is amazing. And the character is, he is, is so great. Yeah. Okay. Well, and my third and final pick is a Troy moment. And I would have missed it, and I have missed it all these many times I've seen this episode, except for my brother pointed it out. And it is in Captain's Holiday. And at the beginning of the episode, everyone's trying to get Captain Picard. He's very stressed out, and they need him to go on vacation. And it's so funny, on the bridge... Uh, we've got Deanna and Riker and Picard in the middle and Deanna goes in, Oh, my mother's going to come and visit me. And won't that be so nice? And (laughs) Riker's like, Oh, that will be just so wonderful to have her on board. And Picard gets up and goes to his ready room and right there, just right before it, it ends, you see Deanna Troy like clasp her hands and like, yes, we got it. <laughs> you know, it's so wonderful to see that just raw emotion of, all right, we're all going to get him to go on vacation. It was like, that was the <laughs> clincher, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love the campaign that they have and they're going to be persistent about it until Picard is so annoyed. He's like, okay, I'll take a vacation. You're yeah, you know, it starts with, you know, Beverly saying, well, do I have to order you to go on vacation? And, you know, it's just, and then here comes Deanna with the Lwaxana card and that's <laughs> it. I love it. And just, I don't know if you've seen it, but she clasped her hands and like- I don't know if I noticed that. So so do you see her like in the background, like through the ready through the ready room door as No, Picard's so coming? Picard is walking to his ready room. So he has to walk in front of Deanna a Troy and uh, that's where she like clasp her hands and like yes I'll have to look for that <laughs> it's so funny and like her face is just really a great character moment for Troy her small victories <laughs> small yep. victories yeah <laughs> and you know what in the end he did have a good time so he did <laughs> even if it was with Bosch <laughs> uh, I forgive you Captain Picard <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are uh, three picks each. And uh, tell me, do you have any honorable mentions that maybe you wanted to highlight, but we just didn't uh, cover? Well, um, I chose Sins of Our Fathers. I wasn't going to touch this at all, but uh, because, you know, it's Klingons and, you know, 
Richard fixed Klingons. <laughs> sins of, it's awesome. of the father? Uh, sins of our... Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> sins of our father. Um, but, like, um, I love this episode through and throughout. I could say the whole entire thing is great. It's a great mo- movie episode. <laughs> and it just shows, you know, how corrupt and, you know, how necessary the Klingon politics is. I mean, it's good and bad at the same exact time. Um, and seeing it through war size, it's very troubling to see it as an outsider. But then again, you know, he's not, he's not really, it's not really hurting him because, but I mean, it's more, it's more pride than anything else. And Mm -hmm. really he takes, he takes the fall for, um, you know, what is his name? Duras. 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 Thank you. Yes. Duras is uh, father. And it's, it's just, it's very honorable for, I mean, obviously he knows what the real truth is and to take that hit for the, for his, I guess in a sense species or, um, for the empire country or yeah, (laughs) for the empire. Yeah, exactly. Um, is very honorable and I absolutely love this. It just shows how far he's willing to go in order to preserve the empire. So, yeah. Yeah, that and that is such a difficult thing to take the blame when you know wholeheartedly that it's not your fault. Right. But there is a greater good there. And yeah, that speaks volumes to Worf's beliefs and what he feels about his culture and the Klingons. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, like... He's basically dead to the Klingons at that point. They're like, yeah. I don't see you. I don't know you. I mean, it like in a way, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what what um, has happened in the past where you get like excommunicated from a religion. It's like, we don't know you. We don't want to see you, you know, and, and you'd have to suffer the consequences for it more so in the yeah. past. Or but, when parents do that to their children. Yeah. Yeah. Or they disown their child or something. I mean, it, it can be a real painful thing, but. But he puts up with that for like a year and a half until it can get resolved. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then whenever a Klingon comes on, they're always swearing at him, get back, patak, and, you know, yeah. it's not <laughs> good. How, how'd that go again? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, Justin, you have an honorable mention for us? I do. Uh, it also comes from the Ensigns of Command, but the plot with the Sheliak. So, you know, d- during the course of this, the Sheliak are kind of beating Picard over the head with with this this treaty that says that they can, you know, basically destroy all the, the human colonists that are on this planet. But then at a certain point, Picard really does his research um, and, you know, he calls the, the Sheliak representative on and, and he he just, you know, gives it right back to them. You know, he he says things like, you know, pursuant to subsection D3, I named the Grisellas to arbitrate. The Grisellas? You know, unfortunately, they're currently in their hibernation cycle. However, they will awaken in six months, at which time we can get this matter settled. Now, do you want to wait or give me three weeks? They're like, absurd, we can brook no delay. Then I declare the treaty in abeyance. Wait! And he just cuts him off. And then, you know, they, they send the, the hail back because they're desperate to resolve this thing and Picard just walks around the bridge are you going to answer that hmm. and he does he takes his finger and you know <laughs> looks at the dust that's on the plaque and then and then kind of goes back to them and uh <laughs> and they say that negotiation is permissible and you know he says he's damn right that he enjoyed that I mean just like that whole scene is so classic and it's one of my favorite Picard moments where somebody's been trying to you know stick it to him and he's just going to stick it right back and win in the end and <laughs> i love that that's one of my favorite favorite scenes i mean what it also says about picard is that you know he can he can you know take a certain amount but even he will crack at a certain point and be like i am tired of this and he will he will just do whatever is necessary to to resolve the situation so i i, I love that it's probably one of my favorite scenes in all of star trek because he just owns the scene <laughs> yeah and it just it shows what a great negotiator and dipl- diplomat that he is and you're right and he he didn't lose any ground he you know and he saved these and- people's lives on the planet there's like 15,000 people there that these people who think humans are vermin just want to vaporize and he ends up getting them a couple weeks yeah it's great you know it's yeah perfect. it's a great episode and yeah great what he does with the Shaliak 
Study, study, study. Yeah. I just have a, another small um, honorable mention. It's Great. a small one. So from the the defector, uh, which is the one where they have the Romulan admiral who's who's defecting, um, and you know, there's a scene toward toward the end where there's a confrontation with with Tomalok, and Tomalok thinks he has the advantage, but they're you know cloaked Klingon birds of prey that um, that that uncloak, and it seems like it's a more even match. Um, and then in, in the midst of it, Picard says, what shall it be, Tomalok? And Tomalok says, you will still not survive our assault. And Picard says, and you will not survive ours. Shall we die together? <laughs> I mean, that that's a, like a little bit different situation because it's not as much, you know, the negotiation end of it. But he's, you know, he's going to defend his ship and do absolutely what is necessary and is, again, is willing to, you know, die for the, for that cause of, of, uh, of peace. So... It's just a little scene that I love as well. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think with season three overall, like when I was, you know, going through and deciding which episodes to watch and, you know, in preparation for this, it's like every single episode was like, oh, I love this one. Oh, I love this one, you know? And and I understand why people say, oh, it really picks up in season three. Although I love season one and two. I can really see that because every episode I'm like, oh my gosh, there's great moments in every episode. And it was so hard to, you know, narrow it down and find the ones and, you know, but it's just when I think about season three, I really can't even think of an episode. Well, I say that for every season, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, it, it really is true. And I can remember, for the most part, every episode and, you know, the storylines that are attached with it. And I just am so excited that we get to, you know, really focus on, you know, these character moments and what it says about, you know, the crew that we love so much. Richard, what did you think about season three character moments? I absolutely love season three. Uh, it's it's like 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 you said. Uh, it's where everything starts picking up, and the writing is not hitting all six cylinders, but they're getting there. <laughs> but like, it's just like it, it's just amazing, uh, amazing on how how much how many good episodes there are. And yeah, there was there was a lot to. Uh, I, there was a lot to choose from, a lot of good moments and and whatnot. I was gonna stay away from certain episodes because I actually thought you guys were going to, but I didn't realize that you guys are gonna choose who watches the watchers <laughs> on everything. So I was I like, that I would have just I only chose, chose it once. Else. Amy chose it twice. <laughs> I oh, did right, right, right. because yeah. it was so good. <laughs> so I mean, but I mean, for the most part, this this, this season is really hitting hitting its stride in it i really i really love this season mm-hmm. and um it was just it was very difficult so but um yeah i'm glad i'm glad we got to discuss this <laughs> yeah i i mean i i love season three i you know there's a lot that i love about seasons one and two but i think it picks up and the quality is more consistent and more there even though there are a couple of episodes i don't like but there there's so many great moments that what i actually had to do was to just look through the list of episodes and say okay I'd like this one, this one, and this one. And I picked like four or five and then looked at the moments within them. Because I could have done that with just about any four or five episodes. I mean, and as we've been doing this, we've been, I think, avoiding the more well-known episodes. We didn't pick anything from like Yesterday's Enterprise or The Best of Both right. Worlds or something like that. Because we want to highlight some of those those other moments people might uh, pass over. But yeah, there's so much great stuff in in season three. And I think you know it gets even better in, in four and five, so... Looking forward to looking at those too. Yeah, I think you're right. You could just pick any three episodes and find a great character moment. I mean, that's how strong this season is. And by now, you know, the interplay and the connection the the actors have with them with each other really is starting to shine through for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're really just hitting all the cylinders at, at this point. They've got it organized and they know their characters and the writers have got it together. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, for next week, listeners, there will be a special guest, Colin Higgins, and you guys are going to be covering episodes where people in the past end up permanently in the future. 
Very interesting. Yeah, it's a little topic. weird concept that I <laughs> that I came up with. Um, so we'll be talking about the neutral zone, uh, the emissary, a matter of time, and cause and effect. So I was just interested in that. Colin wanted to guest and thought it was a good topic. Unfortunately, you'll be out next week, though, Amy. Right. Yes, I will be, but I'll be back soon. Don't worry. Um, so listeners, if you want to uh, watch those episodes in preparation for our uh, next week podcast, that would be great if you would join us for that. Well, it's been so fun going over favorite character moments from season three of The Next Generation, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm. Literary treks. But let's start with that first one, that siege in super space. So, oh boy, super space. I I don't know. Is this is this better than subspace? Is it? Well, I think is it this? is. I, the thing I I really love about this issue is we haven't had uh, many stories at all about super space. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Right. So, okay, they're under orders. They're not supposed to talk about it. And that's how, they, that's how you maintain the continuity that Kirk and Spock are surprised that there's a mirror universe. I mean, that works. That, that, that makes sense. But these people were there. They know that there's doppelgangers there because they know that because Cadet Tilly became Captain Killy. Right. They know, they know this. To the journey! There was a lot of face melting in this episode. You're right. <laughs> Everyone's melting. What a world. What a world. It was, yeah, and everybody was slightly looking. Why were they so sweaty? Why? Seven of Nine had this full-on board queen look about her. She did, and who else was really sweaty looking besides Seven? Neelix was really sweaty looking. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought. he was. And he had kind of a silver tone. He had the silver he blood. He did. Like, he was distinguished. Distinguished melting Neelix. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he got a buff and polish. <laughs> <laughs> the 602 Club. No, I, I mean, it was really all we had was like animated shows. Like you had like the animated Batman series, the animated Superman series. And uh, as far as the big screen went, it was not so great. I mean, you had Blade. Blade was some people cite Blade as kind of the precursor for the superhero genre picking back up. But it was very much kind of a, a genre film. I don't. I know technically it is a comic book film. I don't know if I'd count it in the realm of, like, big-budget superhero movies. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the mp3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place is in the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not watching another civilization from behind a holographic duck blind? Well, you can find me hosting The Edge with Brandon Shea Mutella. Uh, that's our Trek FM's podcast for Star Trek Discovery. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and you can find me on the Babel Conference. That's where I like to be, actually. So, Richard, where can people contact you when you're not defecting from a Romulan Empire to the Federation? Shh. <laughs> Are you crazy? Don't tell them that. <laughs> well, uh, they can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And they can find me also on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. 
So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not serving as a Vulcan ambassador? Well, that's interesting. I'll have to see if I can do that. Maybe I'll cosplay that. (laughs) 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 Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Uh, Currently tweeting out my season four rewatch of The Next Generation. Couple episodes left. I'll be done soon. (laughs) (laughs) What? Couple episodes left in season four before I'm done my okay. rewatch of season four. Okay. What did you think I meant? The end. Of, and I'm like, how did I miss this? You didn't go through three, four. No, seasons. no. It, and, you okay. know, since I've been co hosting this show, it's gone a bit slower, but that's good. <laughs> and you can also. Savoring the moments. Sorry. I, I am. <laughs> you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And we'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter, and our newest associate producer, Thomas Appel. Yay! Welcome, Thomas. (laughs) Yes, we're so glad. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So, listeners, join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die! Shall we die together? Great joy and gratitude. Mm-hmm.